0: Hello, hello, everyone. Just adding people to speakers and getting ready. I think today we're actually getting close to like the 10 speaker limit. Hey, Rams, how are you?
1: I'm great now. Yes, I hope we don't go over too much. Hi guys, Uh, it's Chase from Decentland. Ben
2: is uh, going to be popping on from the main account and doing most of the speaking. So, if you need to drop me down, that's OK.
0: I think we should be fine so far, but let's see how far we get uh, with Twitter here. I think I counted. It was like eight. Sorry.
3: Good to hear from everybody again.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me here again. Hello, everyone.
0: Hello. Okay. Who are we missing? (laughs) Ah, yeah, Guillermo. This time around, he will also be able to speak.
1: Buenos dias, Guillermo.
0: Yeah, maybe if we start speaking Spanish, that's when he will get triggered by our pronunciation.
1: <laughs> I think that's it. I'll be the translator. then. <laughs> well,
0: oh, there we go. And as more. Okay, I think we got everybody added as speakers. We're going to give it a bit more time for people to join. Um, usually it's like in France, you know, people come like three, five minutes late, so... Yeah, those seem to be the rules of Twitter.
1: We'll schedule it like 15 minutes earlier next
4: time. <laughs> those are like set. Yeah, the French oh, is working. taking over the internet.
1: <laughs> nothing nothing gets done after lunchtime over there, to be honest.
3: Mhm.
0: Yeah, I mean work life balance, it's not a bad thing. I mean here it's Yeah, 5 p.m. people leave the office and they're like, I'm done with this. I don't wanna see any of your faces. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how's everyone? How's the year been so far?
1: It's been great. I think uh, just hit the ground running in general. I think my friends and colleagues, sort of excited for twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty two was wild, <laughs> so I think we have optimistic expectations and outlooks for sure.
4: Nice. Yeah. Same with me. So far, it's good. I'm just, I'm just really shocked that we're already in the middle of January. I'm like, mm-hmm. God, why, why are times like flying so fast?
0: Yeah, I'm still like, what a year it's been. But it's just like. <laughs> three weeks in. So (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to feel at the end of the year. Probably, uh, yeah, even worse. But a lot of things have happened, for sure.
4: Yeah, and by the the looks of it, a lot of things will happen, too, in this year.
2: Yeah, I I know we uh, we tend to focus on some of the stuff that's a little bit more anchored to, to what we're talking about. But at the same time, you saw Australia's going on Ethereum with a, you know, Blessed stablecoin concept. Like there's lots of weird little things like this popping up. You know, good to see.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, here we are still very uh, adamant about using cash, so that nobody can force us to use CBDCs. At least that's the hope that people have. I don't know if it's going to work, but we will see. Anyway, I think we can uh, get started. So yeah, welcome everybody to Nears Now. This is the first space of the year I'm hosting, but it is the second iteration of the multi-chain kaizen where we feature speakers from all kinds of ecosystems. And this time around, we've got a few new faces, so it's going to be very exciting to see. Um, but first of all, some logistics. So we're kindly being sponsored by Shih Tzu, and that means if you ask some good questions, you might have a chance to win some gear. AGT, want to say a few things?
3: Uh, uh, yeah, we'll be taking attendance and taking notes and good questions will be
0: rewarded. I mean, obviously you should ask questions regardless of financial incentives, right? So, um, but yeah, anyway, um, that being said, let's get started. Um, So yeah, this time around, we've got like loads of speakers and I've got Rams here as my co-host and he is with the Asta Network team. And yeah, Rams, can you just quickly introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, thank you now. I'm Rams, the community growth lead at ASTAR Network. I've been around the space for a few years now um, and truly believe the future is multi-chain. Maybe we'll hook up with Australia and and, and their ETH counterparts uh, to, to connect this whole world and with the blockchain. But yeah, um,
4: happy to be here too. And
1: I'll pass the, the mic off to Hoon.
4: Hey, everyone. Glad to be here. My name is Hoon. I'm the CTO of Astro Network, and yeah, absolutely. Rams put it a good way. I'm, I'm also a huge believer of Australia. I, I'm gonna buy the Australian coins. Yeah, I hope that it pumps. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now Not, advice. <laughs> <laughs> Not financial advice, yeah. <laughs> Please always add before you say you buy something. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and right, yeah.
0: yeah, Sheldon. <laughs>
2: Hey, guys. Good morning. Sheldon here. Uh, Still today working with Octopus Network, also helping out an interesting project called Amplestream and doing all kinds of stuff in, uh, you know, different spaces to the best of my ability. I've been hanging out in Cosmos a little bit more. Um, I'm a little bit curious about what I've been missing in Polkadot, like some spree kind of things. So, yeah, um, I'm in a few places at once. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I feel like every time I go to one ecosystem I miss out in the other and then I run back and then I'm just like a chicken trying to catch up and yeah, anyway. Um Guillermo, so you are in the NEAR ecosystem.
5: Yes, indeed. I'm developer relations in NEAR. And actually I'm very interested on Cosmos. Like I the other day I learned about them. I'm I'm ashamed that I did not know about Cosmos before. So maybe Sheldon you will have to explain a bit about Cosmos to me. But yeah, i'm I work in pagoda and I'm developer relations in in near.
0: Yeah, amazing. And we also have speakers from Decent land with us today, and that one is interesting as well because most people forget the storage aspect of blockchains or once they try to store something on chain, they realize how expensive it is. So yeah. <laughs>
6: Hey yeah, thanks for having me here. Um, I'm Benjamin, one of the founders of Decent land. Uh, we're one of the I think we probably are the first I'm quite deep in the our ecosystem so I'd probably say confidently we're the first project to bridge our and near together. So our is a pure like storage focused chain whereas near obviously is amazing with execution um and so yes the those two the best of both worlds is is where we where we live and what we try and expose to users um also nice to see you again sheldon
0: <laughs> yeah and you also brought chase with you he already said he's not going to say much but maybe a few words yeah, yeah I,
6: I'll, I'll say hello it was just a, you know
2: we had too many speakers but uh Anyway, I'm Chase. Uh, work with Decent Land. I, I like those titles. Community Development Lead. I think I'm going to borrow that if that's okay. Um, and uh, I also work with uh, Mara uh, NFT, which uh, originated on Near and then also launched a project on uh, Soul. So another kind of multi-chain uh, venture to add to the basket.
0: Yeah, and speaking of multi-chain, the last speaker we're going to introduce, they I think they said they're on sixteen chains. So yeah, GhostDAO or Patriarch from GhostDAO.
7: Hi guys, pleasure to be here. So uh, I'm one of the DAO members. We have a DAO governance structure of uh, Ghost Chain. Uh, what we're trying to do we're connecting EVM and non-EVM compatible uh, blockchains through decentralized governance. So our chain is a native chain that does that.
0: Yeah, very interesting, um, bridging the gap, always good to do. And yeah, so one of the questions we traditionally ask in this space is to switch it up is, what's everybody's favorite anime? And for the people who've been here before, if there's like any recent binges you have, like I'm still on episode 30 of Monster, so I'm not really far advanced. But um, yeah, Hoon, since you're like the anime weep here, any recommendation? <laughs> Uh, I mean, not without you, Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean,
4: it's, it's an honor. It's an honor to be recognized as uh, as a professional weep, yeah. So <laughs> I've been binging way too many animes recently. Uh, a lot of people might say, like, oh, oh, my God, how are you actually, like, holding up with your work? Um, to be honest, I don't think I'm doing a good job. But anyway, uh, I like binge, binge-worthy animes. Uh, for sure, like, definitely, as you can see from my profile picture, Boji The Rock is one of the best animes of last year. Like, if it's not the best... Spy Family, definitely binge-worthy, and it was like, I think as an anime two years ago, if I remember, uh, it's called Science Fell in Love, or Rike Koi in Japanese, it's it's also one of the most hilarious animes, and god, there's like, there's like so many animes I've binged like recently, it's so good, uh, but anyway, yeah, if, if you want a complete list, just, just uh, send me a DM, and I'll give you everything we
0: can watch together. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's time for a watch party. Like, why are we still doing spaces? Let's just a watch party, and I then would, we're gonna that be, be
4: amazing. I would love that.
0: <laughs> we can do that on Discord. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, yeah, decent band. How about you guys? Are you even watching anime? Not too like,
6: yeah. late. <laughs> I'm awesome. not. I'm not deep in, but I'll, I'll give. I'll give uh, a few of the ones that I've really enjoyed. Uh, so. Uh, a bit of a soppy one five centimeters per second i like that film um then i really enjoyed stein's gate um and Madico magica which is an interesting one because it starts off really friendly and then gets really dark really fast
4: <laughs> God, have you have you met somewhere like that you just listed all of my favorite animes right there
6: oh amazing so seems <laughs> seems i'm not that out of touch <laughs> yeah now Seems fine.
0: Azure Network has a new storage solution. Okay, <laughs> yeah. how about you guys, Ghostau?
7: I going to be the potty pooper here. Not really watching it, uh, but uh, I recently got introduced to the soundtrack of the Helsing, and you know that has been helping me a lot to work. So yeah.
0: Nice. I mean, whatever works, right? I think animus uh, intro and outro songs are some of the sources where the Japanese get some of the biggest singers from. So, uh, I mean, whatever helps. Um, Okay. Um, Now that we have uh, figured that out, the most important question of the space, um, let's move on. Um, So there's, like, a lot of different chains represented on the call, and instead of everybody running through, like, an entire intro of what they do, what do you think is, like, the one real benefit people can get from the chain you're working on, like, who's this the perfect solution for? And yeah, who wanna kick it off?
4: Yeah, sure. So I guess in terms of what we really focus and specifically this year, and next year, uh, we are a smart contract platform that enables, empowers community dApps uh, to really be an ind- independent and sovereign developers without having to fear uh, any Third party or be part of a, a system that they cannot really control. That's our valid proposition in a very short
0: sentence. All right, amazing. Um, Sheldon, how about Octopus Network?
2: Um, sorry, you'll forgive me. I woke up right before we started the spaces. Can you ask the question again, please?
0: Oh, no, I was wondering, maybe you stayed staying mute. is like, okay, Naomi, you should give the pitch. Like, <laughs> you know, <Octopus> now. <laughs> um, no, the question was like, just who is Octopus the perfect solution for or what is the one thing that people should know about it?
2: Oh, I think the one perfect fit for Octopus is projects that need their own chain, but also are inherently community projects. If you are building something yourself and you're one team, then you may want to run that as a dap if you're running something as a group because you've got you know a group of people just you know hopscotching pull requests back and forth then maybe that makes more sense if you're working on specifically a substrate or a cosmos chain to say okay we're gonna run multiple validators we don't have to sit here and you know manage the budget for for gas you know we'll just each run a really small gaming computer in our house and then bam we've got the chain so Community projects that are uh, sort of willing to share the workload, there's not a lot of them out there, but we're a really, really good fit for them. And I'm proud that I've been talking to a couple of social good projects that are curious about launching Octopus this year.
0: Very nice. And Guillermo, now, please condense Near into like one value proposition.
5: (laughs) Sure. So if you're at Web2 Developer, and you already know JavaScript TypeScript, then you're ready to build on Near. So that's the whole idea of Near, being having an easy to onboard. Uh, it's a it's a platform where you can easily onboard if you're already a web two developer. So yeah, you're already ready to start building smart contracts.
0: Nice. I'm learning JavaScript, so uh, let's see. Maybe in like three years, I can build on Near. Um, decently. however about... <laughs> maybe too <before>. Yes, optimistic. <laughs>
3: Yeah.
6: yeah, so uh, um, Arweave <clears throat> so Arweave is kind of specialized towards permanent storage, and it's pretty much the the only chain that can make that guarantee with any kind of weight behind it. Um, and so, like when 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 it comes to storage, it kind of funnily enough means almost everything. It can be storage of smart contract states, so you can run oracles off of Arweave with large states um, that that are you know then cross contract callable. Um, You can store um, NFT metadata and assets there um, so they live forever and you don't get the 404s or switcheroos from projects, Um, as well as, like, application UIs, like, entire dApps. So, like, if you've got your back end on ETH and you want that's where your smart contract to live, um, but then you actually, you know, you're relying on a centralized server for your application front end, then you could actually host that forever on the blockchain as well and like have a 100% decentralized app. And so, yeah, that's kind of our Weave's value prop.
0: Yeah, and that actually can be used by pretty much any chain. So, that's pretty cool. And Ghost how about you?
7: So, originally, we started uh, with the vision of John McAfee you know, our our uh, leader, whatever, um, who wanted to create and bring the first privacy stablecoin. Right. So for us, the first task was to make DAI private. Right. So make those transactions completely anonymous. <clears throat> but then we understood that we don't have to just do this with DAI, we can do this with any ERC 20 token as far as privacy. Then we found out that we can actually make it interoperable, not just with Ethereum, but with any EVM compatible chain and then with future integrations for any non epm compatible chains such as for example near protocol and correct me guys if i'm wrong so what we are doing we are making interoperable any token any dapp um, and currently uh, the devs are working to make any ENA- any nft essential interoperable um, in a completely decentralized fashion the keyword is decentralized right so imagine you know, Uniswap now can move liquidity from Ethereum to 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 Avalanche, right? Imagine any token, whether it's stablecoin or not, can migrate from one chain to the next, completely decentralized, like in a completely decentralized fashion without access to or needing any sexes right? So that's that's the the valid proposition.
0: That's interesting. On that note, uh, what would you say counts as decentralized? Because recently we've seen a Polygon; they did a hard fork. And it was basically just 15 people voting, right? So that's kind of like, okay, maybe not. Um, but how do you see that?
7: Well, I mean, Polygon, I will never criticize Polygon, right? I'll never criticize certain projects uh, uh, because of success and because of, you know, absolute usability. Um, uh, but how many nodes does Polygon have? 100? Uh, it does make sense from the architectural perspective, right? But uh you know, certain DAOs do have to uh, work with both quorums and also majorities. Um, lots of DAO members don't want to deal with any governance metrics; they just want to, you know, essentially get, receive staking rewards. And that's why you have to create something super flexible as far as governance. And uh, uh, Ghost Chain is built on Substrate. Uh, we are super inspired by. Polygon essentially. And you know, polygon our heroes, Gavwood is like you know, another potential, you know, uh inspiration to us. So due to all this kind of governance, like super flexible governance uh, metrics, that's how we are trying
1: to accommodate for uh for the Does that? I think you meant uh polka dot, right? Sorry. Just sorry, polka sorry, polka Sorry, sorry, polka. Mm-hmm. sorry, polka
0: Oh yeah, and I forgot to mention, Ram, since you're the co-host, feel free to just jump in and cut people off or, take <laughs> off or
4: whatever. <laughs>
0: I'm giving I'll go up back to Chase,
1: in- I'll yeah. go back to Chase's previous comment. Yeah, you could take the community growth or community development development lead title. Uh here at Astar, I think we throw around titles. Who can attest to this? Chief Everything Officer, yeah. Chief
4: Meme Officer. <laughs> I'm the chief entertainment officer.
1: Yeah, by the there way. You go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but thanks, Ghostel, yeah, um, for that. Insight as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, substrate is also something that Octopus is working with, obviously, and Paul got it. Yeah, makes everything interoperable. But um, maybe let's let's think about things from uh, Ethereum Maxi angle. So everybody is like, oh yeah, new upgrades are gonna come. Like Ethereum is gonna get sharding, like Near has for a while already. Um, and then they are like, okay, but maybe we are not needed anymore, and all these L ones will fade. Me, provocatively stated. Do you have any uh, views on that? Or how do you say the future see the future play out? Any first takes? I guess
4: I can take I, it. Or oh actually yes, you can you can take it. Yeah, fine.
5: <laughs> I, I, I think this is something that we also discussed in the previous uh, in, in the previous meeting. And uh, yeah I, I also have like many people have asked me that question, even like you know like people very close. And I think that in the future, you know, like all blockchains are like, you know, the, the technology is gonna evolve and eventually everything's gonna be super fast, right? And and all blockchains are gonna have like one second finality or even maybe less. And you know, the the technology is gonna get there. But then the important thing is like what use the people is gonna give it, right? So for example, like in Nier, I believe that You know, Ethereum can get as fast as it can, but if it is still, you know, hard to onboard people there, right? Like if you're a developer and you need to learn a new language, then maybe you will prefer another blockchain that is going to give you the same level of velocity, the same level of security. But then, you know, it takes you one week to be onboarded instead of a month. So, you know, in the future, I think that it's not gonna be so much about how fast your network can be. That was like maybe two or three years ago when everything was starting, and slowly we're gonna start migrating to what do you offer right like if you're offering storage, then you maybe cannot do that, so you see you're not competing uh, you, you have something to offer, and people have a reason to use you if you are you know if it is easier for people to build apps in your system, then you know they're gonna come to that so. I'm I'm not so afraid about <laughs> Ethereum getting very fast, and also in the future we can like here we are multi-chain right? Like we can all live, and people can choose us, can choose different chains based on what the problem that they want to solve. So yeah,
2: I'll I'll add to that a little bit because I I made some comments about this in a Shitzu chat a while back, how um, security is kind of misunderstood as a as a feature or a component of comparison. So I think that if I was comparing Ethereum and near sort of long-standing, and I was looking at, you know, how this might look over a few years, I'd be thinking about what attack costs look like and how Ethereum is more linear in processing transactions and near is purposefully not. So near is supposed to be modularizing its security, which means if I'm paying the absolute cheapest for a transaction, then yeah, it'll get finalized, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the most secure. So I think that's the, the model we're gonna start looking at where you know, Bitcoin is digital gold, Ethereum is oil or whatever the heck people want to compare it to. You know, you'll see this model where there's like tiers of uh, security where, you know, things like Bitcoin that have been around a little bit longer are usually higher. And things like NIR are saying, hey, uh, you can have high security, but you could also by default or choose to have a lower security level and then it's cheaper and faster. So I think that's the, 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 the new modern balances um, a little bit more, not focused on security, but sort of security built into performance as part of the conversation.
4: Yeah, I can add, add on to this too. Like, I um, really like what Gilmu mentioned and uh, what Sheldon mentioned too, like picking and choosing which chain makes sense for your specific use case, because blockchains in the end, they're all just tools and part technology. Nothing is really going to be, I guess you can say, like some blockchains makes more sense for, uh, for my specific use case, but in the objective sense, they're all just part technology that everyone should have the freedom to choose so like whole maxi perspective doesn't really make a lot of sense in that case uh i mean if you ask me probably if you ask maxi's they are going to burn me to stake um but like as gilmo mentioned yeah like that's exactly the ethos behind Polkadot. is that every blockchains or parachains in this case can focus on their specific use case and their own audience hence why the Polkadot sdk or substrate uh, which is the actual name of the framework is uh, built with modularity in mind we have Workless runtime upgrade. So you just, you just uh, add new features to your blockchain and because the entire network is operating on a WASM binary, uh, you submit the, uh, the new, new binary that contains the upgrade and that becomes part of block and adding the feature to the entire blockchain. Uh, so it allows you to add new features, adapt, change based on your use case and your audience polka dots as layer zero allows interoperability between those blockchains so that even if you your blockchain cannot satisfy all use cases there's definitely going to be another blockchain that that could help in creating this new use case or or satisfying this new audience and uh, allowing everyone to collaborate together it's i think that's um that's sort of the future direction we're going and definitely ethereum has its own future and i'm quite positive of how where, where ethereum is going with their uh, new sharding uh, mechanism that's that uh, has a funny name if it's like dank Sharding or something like it, it solves a lot of issues that i uh, i had with the previous uh sharding mechanism and uh and ethereum itself is a pure blockchain which means that it creates it it assumes that everything what happens in ethereum is is like canonical to the uh to its own world well uh blockchains are interoperable by nature has to make certain assumptions. So for some people, for some certain security use cases, Ethereum makes sense, their their data, uh, their ledger makes sense, but for certain use cases, maybe it's a little bit too much. So you might delegate uh, the burden of archiving to Ethereum, but you might uh, use utilize the state translation of another blockchain, et cetera. So it's just increases options. And I think it's overall a positive direction in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I don't think we're going to see a world where it's just one chain rules them all. So at least I don't hope so. Um, but yeah, Decentland, I mean, I think you should just shared a tweet as well where you built on Near. but any thoughts on also providing your services to EVM chains?
6: Yeah, so actually we approached Near before EVM. Um, uh, we, are, we are kind of, you know, JavaScript-focused developers at heart um, and... EVM chains, I think, uh, I don't know whether it would be right to say shot themselves in the foot, but for sure opened themselves up to competition from other chains by um, by you know having such a uh, obscure language. Yeah. Um, and so when we when we started on um, on going multi chain, we weren't planning on going near um, as our like major you know secondary arm of Decentland, um, but the developer tooling and the, the the smart contract syntax, even the Rust stuff, was like we we hadn't built with Rust before, um, but it was like easier that for us than than like getting into Solidity. Um, and so yeah, our, our, we we first started out like building on Near using Rust, and then you know then the very shortly after that, I think it was like last summer, the JavaScript and TypeScript SDKs came out. Um, and we we found that combined with like the Nia CLI, like the nicest developer experience for smart contracts that we've ever had. And we had built previously on like a whole bunch of different chains, like, you know, every EVM chain, um, Arweave, um and, you know, a whole bunch more obscure ones as well. And like Nia came out, the clear winner is just like easy to adopt for developers and like obviously also easy to adopt for end users too. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of... My, my my spiel on it is is like very much from a developer perspective um the 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 tooling on on near um is is like I, I I think and all of the developers on our team would also agree like exceeds um what is out there for evm and that might actually just be because the evm ecosystem is like more mature therefore more like entangled in on itself like you've got these like m- m- more more kind of more tools, more options, more libraries, more dependencies, um, it's sort of, it, it can become more of a mess, um, but near is very pure. <laughs> we found it very easy.
0: Okay, Ghostow, since you work with a lot of EVM chains, maybe you've got some thoughts on the dev tooling and the difficulty of getting into Solidity.
7: Well, let, let me essentially kind of rephrase the question, right? So we don't have to pick, right? So like if the original question was about Ethereum, like, you know, real Ethereum, like we're not in Ethereum here, right? Like, you know, can we beat Ethereum at some point of time? Ethereum has the network effect. It's going to be very difficult in the nearest future, nearest future, like you know, next year, next two years to, to get all the liquidity out there, right? And other chains. Statistically speaking, a couple of, months ago, at least uh, 65% of all the TVLs on DeFi was on Ethereum, right? Relative to everybody else. Uh, 35% is BNB and, and Avalanche, Nier Protocol, and everybody else, right? So it's network effect. Now, how can we change that situation? How, how can we make that situation a little bit different? Well, first of all, uh, it's a great myth that everybody's using Ethereum. It's not true. Uh, I'll never criticize Ethereum either. But if you go to countries like Russia and Turkey and try to, you know, do something with stable coins, you will not do, you'll not be doing ERC20. You'll be doing TRC20. You'll be in Tron because it's cheaper. Like it's gonna be yeah, UST on Tron. That's what they do, right? So as far as cash on ramp off-ramp for, you know, for the people who really need it um, in emerging countries, it's already not Ethereum, right? Um, when it comes down to trying to essentially bring liquidity from you know from from the richest markets which is united states essentially g7 like united states europe and japan um, good luck trying to buy usdce like the USDC on, on avalanche you're not going to be able to do this because you go to coin, coinbase and coinbase will tell you go to coin market cap you got to go go to coin market cap and you'll discover that there's not a single sex that will trade uh, the USDC, right? So you have to go to a DEX, but you don't have anything, right? Like you don't have any token on Avalanche to, 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 to get you to the USDC, right? So liquidity at this point of time is completely shutted out. Um, all the liquidity goes to Ethereum um, and we need to solve the problem of trying to get liquidity to other chains. So that's overall analysis of Ethereum versus non-Ethereum chains. Uh, but thankfully, we at Ghost Chain, we don't have to, to pick. We just unite everybody. So we just go by the you know by what Vitalik said a couple of years ago that uh, all centralized exchanges should burn hell. and that was right before uniswap came, came came around. So our kind of idea is the same. like all centralized exchanges should, should burn hell. Uh, we should all control our liquidity, we should all control be our own banks. And our goal is just to connect all the chains together, whether CVM or non-EVM, through again keyword decentralized bridges.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I totally really relate to that. It's really hard to onboard to some of these less, uh, well, non-Ethereum chains directly from a centralized exchange. You can usually forget. And the best case is just you ask somebody to send you some gas so you can do anything on any chain, which is a, yeah, a problem to be solved um, for sure. But yeah, um Maybe moving on to, since we are all in different ecosystems and have probably different views of things, what would you say was the most exciting thing that happened in the last year in your ecosystem? And also maybe just a call to action. If anybody in the audience has a question to the people, like, what do you mean by EVM and all these things, feel free to just drop them below the um, space link or just raise your hand and we'll get you up. But yeah, um, the most exciting thing in the Asta Network ecosystem in 2022,
1: perhaps. Well, I'll give this to Hoon, but there is the XVM feature that... I got you finished. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, but I want you to take it over. No, no, I mean, you can
4: can, uh, finish off your sentence and then I can continue.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, Let's see, XVM is extra... Vehicular manslaughter. Is that right, Hoon? That that we've 100%. <laughs> Go ahead, Hoon.
4: <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so, yeah, XVM, uh, it's, it stands for Cross Virtual Machine. So, Astro Network, we support both EVM and WebAssembly Smart Contract Virtual Machines natively. Meaning that you can uh, deploy using Solidity and connect with uh, any tools that requires EVM RPCs uh, directly natively to our network. But also, you can use Rust or Assembly scripts just like near to p- create smart contracts and deploy in our network. And now, uh, those two were in, a, in their own like separate sandboxes, uh, which makes it difficult to interoperate between EVM uh, from with WASM and, and vice versa. But XVM, we created this module that uh, intermediates. Between multiple uh, sandboxes, so you can com- uh, communicate with a Wasm, Rust, or Assembly Store smart contract from your EVM solidity smart contract, and you can do it the other way around. And the idea here is to well first uh, break the boundaries between different uh, virtual machines, because there are so many account standards, there's so many um, there's so many like uh, different contract standards, but also different DApps that are meant for different different use cases. And we feel like just having that barrier or having to go through a, a off-chain solution to interoperate between the two environment is a little bit too much burden. Uh, so we wanted to streamline streamline this and that's where XVM comes in. And what's really exciting here is that the way how we are, how we uh, created XVM allows us to interoperate between any number of different virtual machines. So we're looking into, co- for example, Cosmolasm uh, VMs, uh, see if it's, um, I mean, uh, there is a module for that, for a substrate, but we want to see how much we can leverage that and uh, and just basically break down the barrier between accounts and languages in any ecosystem throughout the Web3
0: space. Okay, I see Dev requested to speak. I'm gonna bring you up, but please stay muted until we have everybody's highlight of last year. Um, Sheldon, the best thing that happened at Octopus last year. And don't say it was giving me a plush toy. I mean, that was the best No, idea. I mean it,
2: it, it was it was incredible to get to meet you, but at the same time, I have an army of these plush toys swarming my apartment such that I had to get a larger storage unit because I have so so many plushies to give away. But we um should do an air I,
0: drop from like the top of a building in Miami. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm I'm not sure I would be able to get away with that without being fined by the city, but we did take a few of them to a a, a children's toy drive and they were very, very happy to have them. So, you know, they're they're cute autos. But um I think the most exciting thing for Octopus that happened last year actually happened wildly under the radar and um largely wasn't published. It was a contract update. It's not something that we we talked about, but it's something I've been uh twisting arms internally to get us to talk about more. Um, And that's NFT permissioning of a validator set. So the idea that you could have the security of NFTs on an L1, whether that's high security or low security, controlled potentially by a central arbiter or just by, you know, a regular contract that's renounced and say, oh, hey, you know, the list is the list. um, That is capable of uh, restricting the validator set on Octopus Network. So I haven't seen that feature really available anywhere else. Uh, you can launch proof of authority chains with Substrate, but this is, uh, in my opinion, the most exciting thing that Octopus did last year was leave this little function, this little room to reference an NFT's registry in order to um, use that to allow people to validate on that chain. So I, I thought that was the, the most interesting thing we did last year. Uh, most interesting thing that happened to us is probably... You know, some probably the Aster grant. I I thought that was really, really cool. It had to get um, set back a little bit because of ICS-10 and some details with ICS-11. We don't have to get into the the nitty-gritty on that. But I was really excited to see that um, get approved. And it is effectively still open because IBC is complicated and there's some um, ICS details that have to be worked out with block finalization for Grandpa. So, yeah, I I think that the... um, yeah, that's, that's a longer answer than I may, meant to give. But the NFT permissioning of a validator set, I've not seen that anywhere else since. So I think that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, and for those people confused by why he's talking about his grandpa, it's actually related to Polkadot's uh, consensus mechanism. So maybe that's worth mentioning. Um, and Guillermo, how about Nia? What was the most exciting thing outside of Nia Conor?
5: Yeah, but b- before touching on that subject, Jeldon, please, if you have too many peluche, uh, <laughs> I will gladly receive one. Every time I try to get one, they are just—they are gone. For the last three covers, I've been trying to get one of the peluche. So please, oh,
2: please. No. Keep...
5: <laughs> yeah, they're always gone. I'll
2: save one for you. <laughs> yeah,
5: so, and then that is going to be the best thing that happened on Year this year. But last year, for sure, it was the release of the near SDK JavaScript. So, you know, before we have AssemblyScript and Rust, but many people found find both of those kind of difficult to use or, or, you know, hard to be onboarded into. And now everyone can write uh, smart contracts using just simply plain JavaScript or TypeScript. So,
6: yeah, that was definitely huge.
0: Yeah, and DecentLand, how about you guys?
6: Yeah, I think for, for in the Arweave ecosystem, like the main development has been layer twos so like the, the thing to understand about rweave is that it's quite a traditional proof of work chain like bitcoin is and so uh, data going through the network uh it, it it takes it takes quite a lot of time and effort from the uh from from the miners to get it propagated and so a couple of things that we've had that bring it up to kind of web 2 standards are um, caching of data Um, and so we have like a decentralized layer two on top of it called bundler and there's also an alternative one called ar seeding um, which essentially will take your data um, and seed it off to rweave but in the meantime cache it on a decentralized um, incentivized network that is separate from Arweave but settles back um, and then another one would be the smart contracts pieces. So like we, we started off building like in pure vanilla R-Weave smart contracts. Um, this was not a very Web3, web not a very Web2 like experience. Um, it was quite starkly not because it would take maybe 10 minutes or so for an interaction to actually come through because you're kind of relying on this network which may not be optimized for it. Um, and so uh, what we saw is a tool called EXM uh, execution machine. Um, which is a layer two for Arweave smart contract interactions, which is like lightning fast, like you know, centralized fast. <laughs> um, which will then settle the data back to Arweave, um, where you can you know take advantage of all of the security there. Um, and so yeah, I'd say it's been it's been uh, it's been the the, the web two like UX transformation via layer twos for Arweave this year.
0: Nice, and that probably makes it so much easier as well for other people to tab into our Weave. And yeah, last but definitely not least, GhostDao, how about you guys? What was the most exciting thing?
7: Yeah, so we worked for the most part in 2022 on uh, getting a larger community, and thus the effort was to try to somehow um, focus on increasing, you know, potential future transactions and so on and so forth. So last year, we've been experimenting a lot with DeFi 2.0, which led to the creation of uh, of GhostDAO, which is essentially a cross-chain DeFi 2.0 protocol, which then led to uh, the creation of the architecture of um, NFT 2.0, which is this project called Ghost NFT uh, that is going to be launching like within a month, essentially. The marketing launch is going to take place on uh, February 15. And we uh, partner with some of the chains on this call. (laughs) So, Luis, thank you so much. Um, So, uh, the NFT 2.0 essentially, that's the concept of collateralizing your NFTs with any combination of ERC20 tokens, um, thus creating an on chain verifiable price floor. We then also created the thing called On Chain Affiliate, like Ghost Affiliate, which is an on chain affiliate program where uh, you can use your public address as a referral. Uh, for attracting uh, essentially more users and thus giving uh, unchained rewards so all of those adapts um, as far as the protocol oriented uh, development uh, the architecture to make nfts uh interoperable through decentralized bridges through the protocol we call enigma protocol has been finalized and the development literally started and like literally end of December uh, so uh, something to uh, to to share in 2023 as far as this development goes through
0: yeah. So a lot of things happen. And I mean, community building last year has probably been quite a challenge. So kudos for that. And yeah, I brought you up, you had a question or wanted to say something. So now's your time to shine.
5: Hello, everyone. Uh, I see all the usual faces here. And thank you, Naomi, for organizing this space. So um, I just have a question for Rams here, and maybe Hoon, like from the Aster, our Astor guest for today. So since we all know that there are many uh, uh, limitations with the EVM, uh, the Ethereum Virtual Machine. So since you guys have adopted uh, WebAssembly, and uh, uh, would you like to comment on how it will, how WebAssembly will specifically help onboard new developers, uh, the developers who are currently working in Web2 directly into Web3? What would be the role of WebAssembly uh, in terms of security as well as in terms of adaptability? Thank you.
4: Yeah, i guess i can answer that so thank you for the question and regarding uh adaptability for how wasm will onboard new developers to to the blockchain space i think uh Gilmore already mentioned that uh, regarding like languages using languages that you're familiar with to build on uh, on a blockchain so that's what WebAssembly allows you to do since it's like a common uh, execution virtual machine you all just have to have a language that you can compile down into WebAssembly binaries, and that is executable. Uh, so it's it allows so much language extensibility that you can add in the future, it's not too hard to add C++ uh, supports, uh, or I mean, J- near already did the JavaScript and there's much more languages that, that will support uh, WebAssembly in native level. So this will definitely allow existing developers to, be, to use familiar languages without having to rethink on how like um, how blockchain works and how what this what is this language solidity uh, even Viper was made to make it easier for you know, people who are used to Python to build on evM but it's, there are some like some, uh, some tactical hiccups that makes it a little bit more challenging uh, than like, just directly building on it and another point I want to raise regarding uh, the role of webassembly is uh, it's definitely well webassembly I would say like, more specifically towards a language that, that webassembly can the port, uh, it's that having those statically typed languages like Rust or, or assembly scripts, it makes it easier to abstract uh, functions that are used in another parachain. Uh, this is like specifically for Polkadots because everything, uh, all Polkadot parachains are essentially built with substrate, which is Rust. Uh, and if you want to, let's say, call a function, uh, a pallet or a blockchain function that's in another parachain from a smart contract, in NASA network, Trying to recreate the Rust typings in EVM will first create like a a lot of potential issues, but also it's just really challenging. Uh, But being able to write directly in Rust uh, or even assembly script to to, uh, create those, like um, recreate those blockchain functions in your your smart contract is much easier, much safer. And we wish to uh, expand our interoperability uh, or smart contract's uh, ability to interoperate with other blockchains. With these uh, language guarantees hope that answers your question yes thank you
5: thanks a lot for answering that
0: yeah thanks a lot for the question and if anybody else wants to ask anything don't be shy just raise your hand or you can also put it in writing and i'm going to read it out but actually i think also there's some ethereum developers they're advocating for something called e-wasm ethereum so basically oh. bringing to the evm with I don't really want to get into, I guess. Um, moving on to more exciting things. Um, I think one of the biggest uh, narratives this year is anything ZK. Seems like as if you just put ZK in front of whatever technology you're building, you get some hype. And especially I think for storage, it's quite an interesting concept. So decent DecentLed, are you working on any privacy solutions or how do you handle that entire aspect?
6: Yeah, so uh, we actually, uh, okay, so we we both have um, solutions for that, and also we kind of propose the complete opposite. Um, And so one of our protocols, ARC protocol, is like a way for users to opt into tying their multiple addresses from multiple chains together um, in order to attest to the fact that they have this NIA address, and it's also owned by this ETH address that's also owned by this RWEB address. Um, and this is a way to kind of break down barriers between chains because then you can like prove your reputation um, wherever you are. And so, so that's kind of like the the uh, the angle that we take, which which I would say like assures the the necessity for it, just because it's opt in, um, and because you know DApps might not necessarily uh, be able to otherwise prove your identity. Like the the classic line that I might say is like, how else could you prove to Nia? That you own a crypto punk on eth um if there were to be a situation that where it would be token gated or if you were to need to prove reputation uh, or liquidity or, or anything like this um and so uh, from the other side um you know data is stored on chain on our weave um but it doesn't mean that it can't be encrypted um and so we are actually publishing a uh, notifications protocol that is going to be repurposed as well, or added a feature to, um, which is going to be a encrypted messaging protocol via smart contracts. Um, and so it's going to be possible basically to do, um, encryption, uh, going in and encryption going out based on signing it via wallets or based on reading, um, your, your wallet address and your, your, um, public key, um, kind of like GPG, (laughs) but on, on chain. Um, And yeah, so we can kind of do we can we can do both of those things. Um, But, you know, I would actually default towards um, the public internet. You know, I I come from an Arweave um, background. Um, I I, I feel like blockchain technology should be used to advance the depth of public verifiable, um, able to be trusted information. Um, And so, um, yeah, that's kind of my stance on it.
0: Interesting. Any other takes on it? On the privacy technology side? I mean, here in Germany, we are always skeptical. As soon as you say, hey, give up your privacy, it's like, hell no. Um, so, yeah, Ghost out. You wanted to say yeah, something?
7: Yeah, let, l- let me jump in. Yes. Yeah, so, again, we did start <clears throat> initially as a privacy stablecoin. So, of course, we had to have elements of privacy in it. Um, and there are three layers of privacy we are uh, kind of Exercising, so the first one is, um, well, it's not privacy, it's anonymity, right? Like that's a a more correct term. Um, The first one is synchronization of virtual machines, right? So through the synchronization itself, so essentially when the token gets wrapped from any EVM chain at this point of time into ghost, that's essentially the first level of anonymity. Second one is we are taking advantage of existential deposits um, feature, uh, kind of built by substrate. So we've just taken that, that's a great one. Uh, and third, we do actually have uh, a thing called Astral VM, Astral Virtual Machine instead of Ghost, that is built on uh, Zether technology, which is like total ZK privacy oriented stuff. We built all that stuff uh, around a year and a half ago, way before it became super hypey. And the whole kind of proposition is yeah, we're focusing at this point of time, like the biggest feature is obviously cross chain interoperability for any token, DAP, NFT, like any asset. Um, however, uh, we also are a huge believers of what one of the, like one of, <laughs> one of the most affluent, you know, people who owns like lots of Bitcoin, lots of gold mines told me, um, we are literally just supporting the fourth amendment, uh, which uh, part of, p- part of which claims that it's nobody's uh, quote, fucking business. Um, what I do with my money.
0: Yeah. Um. I kind of agree, and this is also why we really like to use cash here, because it's like, well, if I use cash, at least they don't know that I had a kebab yesterday at 3 a.m. in the morning, right? Um, so, yeah. Um, Guillermo, you just said something to the space. Want to, yeah, say something about it?
5: Indeed. Actually, uh, in here we're starting, well, different working groups that uh, everyone can join, and we actually encourage you to join. And one of the working spaces that we're we'll creating is the zero knowledge one. So if you're a zero knowledge expert, or you want to see, or you want to contribute, please come and join us. I I just pinned the tweet into this uh, into this Twitter space.
0: Now that you learned how to do that, we are not safe anymore.
5: Um- <laughs> indeed, indeed.
0: <laughs> What's gonna come next? Probably a threat by Hoon with the ten best animals to watch this weekend.
4: <laughs> oh, I could definitely, yeah. But no, that, that'll make this space too long. Uh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll just add my, um, or I guess our network and PolkaDots, uh PolkaDots take on zk. So we are not, not necessarily focusing on zk. Uh, we do believe that privacy and anonymity is important, and that's where the beauty of uh, Polkadot and its interoperability comes in, because we have. Monta Network, uh, who is working on having a complete zkUTXO uh, blockchain uh, or a pair chain in the Polkadot ecosystem. So they're like essentially like uh, I guess Monero like on on Polkadot for a lack of a better term. They recently had some really great milestones, and we are really excited because this means that you know, through Polkadot XCM and XCM v3 is uh, it's just merged. So. We can definitely see some progress there uh, through XCM XcMP we can definitely interoperate with Manta from our network so smart contracts have the option to uh, go through go through Manta network to essentially just make uh, privacy transactions happen and Manta will be used as like a privacy layer for us uh, for the like, for the ecosystem and we'll be using like that we'll be used as like a smart contract layer uh, and like we have these delegation of different features that's so that's so exciting for me.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And I was recently also chilled on Aztec, which is on Ethereum. So uh, sorry for that. Um But yeah, I mean it's basically a kind of a pool where people can put their money in and then obscures what you do with your money. Like for, I, I could imagine, like for example, even investments could be a thing, right? When VCs don't necessarily want to know want that everybody sees what they invested in immediately. Um could be a way to use it. In a legal way um but yeah so one thing before i forget actually for this space we have a po app, and i'm going to share it to the space because it's a link and there's only 28 of them and yeah sheldon what do you want to say about that
2: <laughs> oh sorry i just I, I wanted to add something really quickly that someone brought to my attention the other day that the bank of international settlements um put out this e 2.0 paper and it's hilariously interesting because it borrows from lots of ideas without understanding them pretty thoroughly uh so in a sort of uh clandestine traditional you know just regular old uh hey i want to buy something from an online retailer completely central you know purchasing experience they basically uh shoved this graphic in the middle of their diagram that says Mixnet or mixer so I thought that was really interesting that even BIS is recognizing that you really harm fungibility when everything is so linear and you can tell who held your coins last and all kind of stuff. So I think that the um, the conversation about fungibility and about privacy is, is going to get both more mature in the way that we're kind of like actually working on products that deliver that. And clearly entities like BIS are trying to catch up and, and having a hard time, I think, like – if anybody gets to see that, uh, I think you can just look up eCash two Bank of International Settlements, uh, and and there should be a, a recent paper that comes up that was like the source of some article that they wrote. So, just a ghosthouse point and everybody's point about uh, stable coins and all these things. Like, um, you know, traditional fintech is uh, thinking that it can just learn from us. It, it's kind of cute, you know. So I just had to point that out.
0: Yeah, you totally wrote the PoApp announcement, but that's okay, you know, you made a solid point, so I'm not going to be mad at you. Uh, You're no,
4: welcome.
0: Just- <laughs> so yeah, anybody, if you have a near wallet, well, if you don't, you should totally have one. Uh, not that I have any KPIs here for this space, but there's 28 of these NFTs you can mint and then you can show them to other people and show them that we were here and who knows if we're ever famous you might be able to sell it for a lot but I kind of hope that it's not seen as a speculative value because it's not meant to be but yeah go claim it it's a fun experience and also if you need some gas let me know because that's the thing I haven't figured out yet because I do not know how to use key palm or smart contracts yet. So work in progress. Um, but yeah, since we're running up to the hour, maybe let's uh, look at what you're forecasting for this year. What do you think is going to be like the strongest narrative going into the year? And Sheldon, since you're still not muted, you can just go ahead.
2: Uh Oh, I think it might be a UI bug. I'm here. Um so I think um there's a lot of really exciting stuff happening this year um uh, between chains um you guys have heard me rant about it before IBC is one of the the top ways that I I see that is feasible and worthwhile and productive um composable came forward talking about a bunch of stuff they're they're making it easier and easier BrainJar is being more vocal these days very happy about that but I think that um what uh, uh decentland was talking about Ben was was talking about um, I think we're going to see more of that. Um, I've recommended that process to a couple of different projects, and it seems kind of a low security in certain cases because it's not a more traditional, more common thing. But attestation and validation that, hey, I do in fact own this wallet, I think that's a really, really productive activity. Um, I'm helping a couple other projects that are looking at doing that on multiple chains, and we're looking at, you know, how cheaply can we sign transactions or make transactions that are just for the purpose of at the station. So I think that the um, the idea that we would want to be associated as both our near names and maybe one Ethereum wallet that we want to, you know, retain our POAPs at or retain certain POAPs at, I think that's a, um, a really exciting thing to watch out for this year culturally. Uh, because A, tribalism is weak right now, B, technology is improving, and C, stuff that doesn't need either A and B is being, you know, accepted more and more. So without rambling, that's that's my two bits.
0: All right, IB, you have a question or want to say something? Okay yes yes all right. we can hear you all right thank you very much for having me it's
5: has been an enlightening conversation and amazing projects all over but um i noticed um there's a um, shih Tzu community in this space right now and agt so i'd like to address the question towards him because i'm um, i like to ask from like the shih Tzu community what exactly does like those mean coins do like I'm curious, I really want to know, like, what are the utilities attached to coins, especially Shih Tzu? Because I'm personally part of the community, but I'm just really bullish on their activities because they have a very interactive community and I learn a lot from it generally, not just. On yeah,
6: AJT, okay. shoot your shot.
3: Well, I mean, thanks for the question, but we'll keep it short. I mean, I think meme coins are primarily speculative, and people get into them to make a buck. And just till we pivoted away from that, and our goal is to essentially highlight and promote the Near and Aurora ecosystem. And also, we promote other change that our members are in. For example, our the crossword puzzle we use, uh, the developer works on Cosmos, So, you know, we're Cosmo-friendly. I think Rams and Hoon are part of our community. So... You know, we want to promote and also foster our members' uh, soft skills by promoting content creation. So that's what Shih Tzu is. Uh, not so much for the speculation, but to promote uh, our members and the chains
0: we're in. Yeah, I hope that answers the question. Um, and I mean, AGT is also always on the Telegram chat, so probably good to reach out there as well. And Hoon.
4: Yeah, uh, just wanted to add. I guess just play the devil's advocate about the purpose of meme coins. Uh, I do agree that most of them are total like cash grabs or scams, or very speculative, and um, all of them are spe- speculative by nature. But I guess why are if we ask the question why are meme coins like still relevant? And if we look at the top meme coins like Dogecoin or Shiba, you know, uh, one thing that is, that is that sort of did fascinate me is that those projects are completely decentralized. Uh, like they they are. Not like other uh you could have like some really great uh project that's focused on utility and that has purpose but it could be centralized well meme coins that do survive and that has some sort of like monetary value or or worth speculating interestingly enough are completely decentralized and and they are operated by the community so i would say that they are they are i guess a proof that internet communities can do stupid things and uh, the stupid things work sometimes not that i condone it
7: let me let me add, let me add to this really quickly on this like note. So, let me essentially uh, let us steam on this call. <laughs> so we we are talking right now to a bunch of chains, right? So because we are about to launch Ghost NFT public launch February fifteenth, oh, great. Uh, the biggest responses we're receiving are from chains that are actually decentralized. <laughs> and the shittiest process we're receiving, like no, like no go kind of like, it's, and it's not like a straight nose or like straight, whatever, it's like always like dragging. It's from, you know, from chains that are massively, um, massively funded by, well, VCs essentially. <laughs> so like if Dogecoin, for example, can be, you know, decentralized and whatever, and like not necessarily adding more value than, you know, say, I I'm not putting names but let's assume the likes of you know Avalanche or Polygon or whatever. Then of course, not, not that we have bad experience with those chains, but um it's a positive thing for us, right? So the year of 2023 just like any other year is we all need to get together and all need to focus on and creating more adoption for for the space.
0: Yeah, and I mean the meme coins like they also help to onboard people if you look at it that way, so I mean, I know a bunch of people who got into Doge, and now one of them, she runs an NFT project, and she was also in this space. So that's how it can sometimes go as an entry point. And funny enough, now uh, meme coins even have layer twos, so like Shiba. So who knows what's next? Um. So yeah, what's next? Uh, what's going to happen in twenty twenty three? What's your take? Um. Yeah, Rams maybe and Hoon, from the asset team.
1: 2023. Well, like, you can start. Uh, this is where I put in some some comedy. Uh, I think we're going to take over the world starting in Japan. Uh, it's like, <laughs> I we with Beat the Godzilla, right? Just a little bit bigger. Um, no, but really, I think it's going to become more conversations around this inter- interoperability um, as well as this multi chain aspect that we're all gung ho about. I think that's going to become more norm uh people realizing you know what (laughs) forget this tribalism thing let me go over here to use this product over here for this product and so on so i really foresee that 2023 is going to bring about that kind of talk kind of that that attitude as well um as we start realizing that it's needed especially uh with cb uh, the (laughs) the the bank coins coming right
4: uh and what about you uh thank you for uh starting there because i was i was actually I was actually focusing on making my near account so <laughs> glad that you bought me some time there uh anyway regarding yeah 2023, it's going to be a it's going to be big here and in fact it's so big that there are so many ndas that i'm not allowed to say uh so I, I can't give you the details of why it's going to be big but uh, i'm going to give you like a couple of uh one things that i can say um for one our network is approaching, and in a tech, technical sense, our, our network is approaching a semi-mature state. So most of the tech stacks, most of the features that we are providing will be, uh, will be. We'll, we're trying to finish it off. Uh, Dapp Staking V3 is gonna come over um, Inc contracts or Wasm contracts on the main net ASTAR network because we only have them in the Canary Network at the moment due to uh, auditing reasons. And we're gonna have XVM uh, fully functional and fully functional in the main network. Uh, so many, so many new features coming up. And ultimately what we want to do is by the end of uh oh of course there's also on governance too. I can't I can't forget about that. on governance to ensure that the network is decentralized. And by the end of 2023, we want uh to I guess restructure the network uh in a sense that it's not just a blockchain for the sake of solving issues in the blockchain world, but into a a normal tech stack that any any individual developers uh, who wants to see success without having to you know, bow down to Google or bow down to Amazon um, can use. Uh, so that's that's our goal for now, and we are going in a great track, I would say.
1: I'll add one more thing. Uh, inspired by Guillermo and the whole NIR community and, and team really, the, the docs that you all have set up, making it easier for developers to find what they need, uh, it's really an inspiration for the ASTAR team. And uh, we're taking a lot of that those cues and incorporating them slowly for sure <laughs> our team is still growing but i want to thank the near team too for just providing so much inspiration especially around the branding um
4: so just adding that too yeah it, your guys' web wallet is amazing uh
0: now can i get some gas fees? sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay you will have to send me your wallet address maybe not in public because people might send you some weird nfts like i would <laughs> obviously never do that but other people might um but yeah, I was going to say something. Oh, yeah. Uh, selfishly, I was going to propose that you should host a Asta meetup in Japan in March because I'm going to be there so I can attend. Um, And that would be the highlight of 2023 then. Sorted. Um, Sheldon, what are you most excited about or what do you think is going to be the biggest narrative? Um
2: well, I, I think I've, I've made some comments on this, but um, I am really interested to see what happens with Parathreads, especially because Octopus is not necessarily a competitor to Parathreads, but it's kind of a similar mindset of, you know, smaller, less mature chains still need resources, tooling, access to liquidity, etc. cetera. Um, but I think the, um, the, the, the sort of fever to break that I'm excited for this year is uh, zero knowledge. So I think that... Um, People have used the phrase zero knowledge enough to describe things where, you know, as a, as a culture, we are, you know, kind of interested in understanding it more than just saying, oh yeah, it's ZK, okay. we're good. Because that's kind of what zero knowledge is, is that you're trusting a wallet provider, you're trusting a service provider, you're trusting an entity who processes a piece of data and gives you some representative data. So it's kind of like individual tokenization, which I don't think is bad, but it is a collapsing of security for performance. So I think that we're going to um, have some smarter conversations about that this year. I'm I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah, and eventually we can go back to using zero knowledges. Somebody like me who has no idea. Um Guillermo, how about you? What do you think is going to be the defining narrative?
5: Well, I just hope that one, the blockchain becomes something transparent, so you know, people is going to be using right now, right? You wanted to do an NFT drop and you just want to do an NFT drop. It doesn't, you don't, you don't care if the contract was written in rust or if this isn't like running on a specific blockchain. So I hope that by the end of the year and, and, and please approach me because I can, I can show you how to use a uh, or any other link drop. I hope by the end of the year, everyone knows how to do this. Right, like they want to send some near or an NFT or NFT, and they just do it without having to worry about the technical aspects. And moreover, like we also hoped, like there's going to be a, a a change in the protocol coming soon. So it should be within this year that will allow people to pay gas for other people. So, you know, with the combination of tools that make the blockchain transparent and gas being paid by someone for you, then you should be able to do drops or even create full applications where people can interact with the blockchain without knowing it, right? So solving specific problems and the blockchain is just a tool. I hope that's 20, 2023.
0: Yeah, by the way, there's some cool company in the Asta Network ecosystem doing some fun ways to distribute NFTs. So yeah, anyway, maybe you should talk to Rams about that. Um, yeah, like audio waves and stuff like that. Anyway, anyway, um, Decentland, what do you think is going to be the most exciting thing in this year?
6: Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, a crazy question almost because if we if we knew that, then we'd be able to like speculate and become really rich. Um, but I would say, like at least from from my perspective, what I'm seeing is technologies that allow um, that are kind of chain agnostic, sitting on top of chains, settling back to chains. Um, and allowing users to sort of use whichever sort of infrastructure they like um, you know accepting signatures from different wallets and being able to settle back in the end to the chain of choice Um, I'd say that is the kind of thing that I'm that I'm that I'm seeing that I'm excited about I think um, like one one I one kind of thing that I often return to to put this in perspective is like maybe the fact that we're all fighting over which blockchain is uh the best is almost like a symptom of you know back in the days when when you had like different database solutions maybe maybe that was like the thing that people argued about in the forefront um who 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 is going to end up caring whether you're on like an sql database or like a no sql database in the future it, it might be irrelevant like it actually might be or it might not be, um, but but like I hope that as the years progress, we start to see more clearly um, whether that is the case or not. Um, because in reality, all that we're looking for is a way to like sell transactions, store data, come to consensus. Um, there are a whole bunch of competing solutions over this, um, but um, maybe maybe it, it really is just comes down to as trivial as like the whether we use uh, SQL or Oracle or no SQL. <laughs>
0: yeah for sure. and Go, what do you foresee as the most exciting thing?
7: Probably a couple of angles, and these angles have been already proven to some extent, and a bunch of a b- bunch of speakers here said the same exact thing, so which i which I fully agree with. Definitely more uh, chain agnostic thus more multi-chain solutions through you know high level of decentralization uh, protocols uh, of of communication uh, between these chains. Um, and adoption. Uh, adoption, for the most part, is proven by uh, kind of money talks uh, kind of motto, which is essentially uh, kind of humongous development of all types of new DeFi protocols, uh, such as DeFi 2.0, whatever, whoever will come up with DeFi 3.0, and so on and so forth, um, or, uh, or or some type of application for the NFTs. So essentially, more adu- more adaptive uh, uh, kind of yield-bearing, potentially fundam- like potentially and hopefully uh, asset backed, or whether well, it's digital asset or, or or some type of real assets, um, yields uh, plus multi chain communication.
0: Yeah, I mean, because DeFi 2.0 was such a success, I can't wait for DeFi 3.0. I mean, hopefully, this time I get rich and not poor like last time. Um, but yeah that's something to look forward to and we're running well we are over 1 hour so i think let's wrap it up here if you have anything to any any last words that always sounds a bit macabre especially with the extra virtual murder in the room but <laughs> yeah if you had anything uh, else to add
1: thank you now so much for for coordinating all this first of all uh, i think this has been a great second session i for I hope to see a third one. There's so much left That's to talk boring. about. Yes,
0: we can make more poems. We maybe need we to work can on can more poems. Yeah, Until then, so, I just okay. want to invite
3: everyone that we can continue this conversation. Shit to Telegram. We actually talk about these existential questions as opposed to meme coin stuff. So I invite everybody. Perfect.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So thanks, everybody. Uh, and I'm going to share a recap of this space at some point in the next few days. But yeah, thanks everybody for joining. Definitely go and follow the speakers. They're all up to amazing stuff. And I'm looking forward to the next iteration of this space. And until then, don't forget to claim the Poep or hit me up if you have no near and want to out yourself. Um, You can do it privately. We don't need to talk about it. Um, But yeah, thanks and have a great evening or day, depending on where you are. Thank you so
5: much. Thanks, Naomi. Thank you you so much. (laughs) Thank you
4: much. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye.